0: Log Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show.
1: With your featured host, Shaw McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern-day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects
2: of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now, for your
0: host, Sean McCain.
1: Hey, hi everybody. I'm your featured host, Sean McCain, on Blog Talk Radio. And I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. You can go ahead and follow me on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. The call number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal Sacred air every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and sometimes we're even on Saturday nights. But anyway, thank you for uh, tuning in tonight. And during the show, I can take questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your questions to speak with our special guest tonight. And, remember, I'm threatening you, so any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out. Anyway, I'll have a copy of your number. I'll call you and bug you for a while. So, anybody, play nice, people. Okay, we have a couple announcements before we welcome a special guest tonight. And the announcements are the we're waiting and waiting for the 2017 International UFO Congress. It's already being built up and underway, so go to the International UFO Congress Facebook page, And there's also tweets by following us on at IUFOC or by going to hashtag IUFOC. And uh, for the video from last year's event, go to Open Minds UFO Report. And uh, let's see. The planning is underway. It's going to be February 15th through 19th, 2017. And be sure to book your room. Ahead of time, and uh, so you can be right there where the conference is happening, and everybody gets out their guitars and they sing and actually have a good time out there. You can also find more information on Open Minds TV and also the UFO Congress email newsletter. So go ahead on Facebook and you can find them. And also, uh, there's a speaker series that uh, Zero International. It's a, a support group for uh, the u f o experiencers people that have had uh uh post traumatic stress syndrome for abductions and all kinds of stuff anyway it's Yvonne smith, who's an awesome uh, hypnotherapist and licensed thing uh her direct line is eight one eight three eight three six nine oh three and you can also email her Yvonne for the number four p t s d at gmail dot com you can go ahead to the website uh they don't have the newest speakers up yet but They've some awesome past speakers. I think you can get tapes on that. Anyway, the the website is www. com. And let me have an. have another, Okay, June 22nd, they're having the support group out at the Burbank location. I can't give you the address unless you know me, and then you can call me and ask me in person. I'll give the address. Anyway, it's at the People's Choice location in Burbank. So uh, let's see. Remember that uh, I guess donations are welcome to the cause and to uh, – they want experience – they have civil rights and they want to be represented in Congress, which they have Then on what's just – what the hey is going on in the UFO world. And, uh, you know, they want to know the truth. Are we being uh, visited by uh, aliens? Are they coming from here or whatever? But anyway, uh, instead of people being disbelieved, they want people to be believed in her. Uh, if you need past life regression help, chemotherapy, energy work, you can also go to com, And she's out in Newport Beach in a beautiful location. Her phone number directly is 866-546-8768. And she does uh, readings and uh, crystal therapy. She also does past life regressions. And she, in her new life as a psychic, and she used to be an engineer. So she's quite an interesting person. So it's KimChopman.com. Also, my friend Marilyn Salas at gmail.com, where you can get get uh, her Love's Blessing uh, essential oils. And uh, she's a wonderful lady if you need healing work and everything else. So it's www.lovesblessing.com. So that brings us tonight to uh, – we have a special guest, uh, an awesome uh, animal communicator and, and medium psychic, and her name is Karen Anderson. And Karen Anderson is an animal communicator, psychic comedian from Eastern Washington – Karen's ability to talk to the animal's surface when she was very young, and I want to hear that story. Anyway, later in her life, she found that these psychic skills enabled her to read the energy of suspects and criminals she dealt with when she was a deputy sheriff in Colorado. Now Karen uses her intuitive abilities to read the energy of all animals living or deceased, providing private consultations to clients all over the world. Known for providing extremely detailed messages, Karen, who's also a medium, and connects with departed human souls as well. Her book Hero Creatures* documents her journey into the hearts and minds of animals. Her second book—I was taking a look at these books and, I, and as a con- contrib- she a cont- i am sorry. Her second book, as a contributing author of *The Amazing Paranormal Encounters* Volume Two, depicts true stories from the afterlife. And uh, Karen works exclusively from her home near the Spokane, Washington area, which sounds like a beautiful area. She lives in a small farm with animals she loves. So uh, at this point, I'm going to get Karen on, and i am like to welcome you, Karen. You're live with the Paranormal Sacred. Hi, Karen.
2: Hey there. How you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Uh, it got a little bit hot here for our first day.
2: Well, that's a good thing. I'm happy about that. I'm from Southern California, so I like that warmer weather.
1: Oh, That's right. So you're uh, up in Washington, and uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, like where you were raised and, uh, you know, what your family was like?
2: Absolutely. I grew up in um, in the Southern California area of a little town called San Dimas, and it's right at the base of the San Bernardino Mountains. And um, that's where I had my very first... Um, Um, experience with connecting with animals. Um, I had a bunch of different animals, of course, when I was a little kid, and I could always understand them and know what they were thinking and feeling, um, even to the point where it would raise a few eyebrows with my parents and they didn't always know what to do with that or how I knew the things that I knew, And, um, and I just thought everybody could. I didn't know that it was something different, and I just could understand their thoughts and their feelings much different than than what i do now it's on what i do now is on a much higher level of course with connecting with them but certainly that's where it all started was because i loved animals so much and i had them around me all the time and um and that just continued to grow and um you know animals of all kinds i had uh, horses and cats and dogs and um pet lizards i mean you name it i had it
1: um i'm you know there's something uh, i've been thinking about something is that um I do believe uh, all, all animals have souls, I think if they 're alive, they have a soul, you know and that 's the way I go about it uh, so would i was thinking, do animals think about God or the spiritual life
2: well that's a that's a really interesting question um, i haven't had them actually ask me about that they just seem to be very well grounded and they have a a really good understanding of life and even the dying process and they're also very um, accepting of of death much more so than humans are Um, and they seem to just be um, aware that it's just part of the process it's just another stage in their life they don't they don't fear death the way humans do um, they they certainly don't want to um, succumb to it. You know the the will of the strongest to survive there kicks in. Um, but I don't know that they actually have uh, questioned or asked about a god or a higher um, power, if you will, in in that respect. They just seem to just be very happy with who they are and what they're doing and their life and. Um, and they just seem to be very much uh, at ease with all of that. But that's a that's a really interesting question.
1: I know, because, you know, your books are, uh, you know, really insightful. And when I was reading them, and that's what I I started thinking about, their spiritual lives. And it's a, like a concept I've never thought of before. I do know um, a couple of birds have come to me because they didn't want to die alone. You know, I have I have that same thing, Karen. And right. they at when the the moment of their death, they did cry out to God, like in a little little cry. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, it's um of course uh, I believe all animals have a soul that continues on just like the human soul continues on after physical life has ended. Um, and so I'm very much aware of of that process for them, the dying process for them being something that they are, um, I have actually learned from them to handle the dying process in a better way Um, just because of what the animals have shown me, especially with my own animals. I'm on a small farm here, so I have a lot of animals. When you have a lot of animals, you lose a lot of animals sometimes. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's just made me very much more aware of, of being in the moment with them, and living life to the fullest every single day, and and you know not living two weeks down the road or not living in the past. I mean, just very much being in the moment with them. Um, but um, you know, they they just they've got it going on. I think we have so much to learn from the animals. I I think that they are great teachers, and if we just open up our hearts and our minds to them, we can learn a lot from them. And and certainly the the death and dying process, just one of the the ways that we can learn from them.
1: Yes, I agree and it's uh it's 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 a a mysterious and beautiful thing. So I was excited about having you on here and um I I oh I wanted to say that uh we you were on a couple months ago we tried to do a show and uh we were blasted out by some uh thunder and rain over there and uh something we hardly ever see down here, but um we're so happy to have you back.
2: Well, thank you, and yeah, it happens here a lot. I live out in the middle of nowhere. In fact, um, you cannot see any neighbors from where I live. I'm on a a 30-acre parcel, and it's completely surrounded by huge pine trees, and it's it's just beautiful. And unfortunately, when you live out in the country, you're the last ones that they get to when there are power outages, (laughs) and we have them a lot out here. So it's just part of country life, and I've gotten used to it over the years. But um, thanks again for giving me the opportunity to come on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: That's great. Do you have a generator out there? I do.
2: Thank goodness I have a backup generator, but it only goes to the um, appliances in the kitchen to keep things running.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's good, because I've always wanted to uh, actually – do something like that. I'm gonna to have to turn into a survivalist to try to get all my stuff. <laughs> so <I don't laughs> run out of anything. But, uh, yes, anyway, we lost uh,
2: we lost we lost power for a week, and it was uh, a week. single single digit temperatures in this last winter. So it was. I made sure that my generator is is working just fine, just in case there's any more power outages like that. Yeah, and I found out too during that power outage this last winter that the water heater isn't heated by the generator so when you run out of hot water in the water heater that's it you're done there's no more oh hot water oh my
1: god <laughs>
2: no. found out you the hard about, way you're to think about
1: something you can do with that because if you are stuck for a week you're gonna have to that water can get cold i mean
2: oh tell me about it yep
1: because I've been back east when uh, we had a power outage and we were heating pans of water on the stove. That's how we took our baths. But,
2: yeah. you know, you have to think
1: of something to keep that water heater going.
2: I know, <laughs> I, know. I know.
1: Well, Crazy do it because, stuff. you know, I've been telling everybody just have a week's supply in hand. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom. I said just for, you know, just to feel better, you know, that you may not get help for a while. So.
2: That's right. Uh, give it
1: a week. And you too. So you're out there and That's I know right. that it must be just so beautiful.
2: It really is. I'm I'm really fortunate to live here and you know, like I said, I grew up in Southern California in suburbia where every house was right next to the next house and you know, exactly. you had sidewalks and everyone parked on the street and you know, it was we played um baseball in, in the cul de sac and you know, it was that typical neighborhood growing up scenario and I always wanted to live on a farm and so I said one day when I grow up I'm going to have a farm and so I finally got my farm and so I'm way out here in the boonies it's just me and the wild turkeys out here
1: Wow <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds beautiful to me though because Oregon the same thing some up along the coast the people that haven't been up that far I know people haven't been as far as San Francisco they are down here you know, they're from the LA area and they don't know what the ocean looks like. I said, you know, the ocean isn't like right here, it's wild up there. It's yeah. gorgeous. But it it's is. unexpected. Many animals, many different kinds of, you know, the cycle of life is going on up there. And all all sorts of beautiful animals and uh anyway, so um now uh, there's a story in your book. See here the book Hear All Creatures and it's on Amazon. And you can also get it from karen's website what's your website karen
2: karen net, and um it, you can also yeah you can also find me on facebook uh, karen anderson animal communicator and then i also have animal com. is uh they'll all go to the same place
1: okay. and you've got a great website that gives detailed information on how to contact you for help and everything else and uh well, you said that you were actually speaking with animals at a very young age. You have a great story in your book, and uh, you're saying you have always loved animals and everything, and that you were actually... Uh, that you had been uh, with a close friend, one of your closest friends at that time became distant, began making hurtful comments about your new skills. So... Uh, they weren't taking it very well, so can you tell us about that Fourth of July party that something came down then? You well tell you know um
2: yeah, when I was um back in the day, I was in the mortgage industry, and um you know it was a typical Monday through Friday grind, and I did that for almost eighteen years, and I really didn't like it um so I kind of got stuck though because you can make really good money at it and um yeah and it was down in Southern California, um where property values were up. you know there's a lot of real estate transactions going on, so um I did that for a really long time. I just was never very happy with it, and I always felt kind of in my heart that I wanted to have a job or I wanted to do something where I gave back to the community or i i wanted I wanted something a little bit more um, uh, appealing to my soul and so when I moved to Colorado. I was, again, in the mortgage industry, but that's where I became a police officer. And so the calling that I felt in my heart to give back to the community and to to do more for people, I channeled that into becoming um, a deputy sheriff. And I loved the job. I absolutely had just so much fun and so many experiences. I just loved it. And that's when everything started to come back to me as an adult of how to connect with the animals. It was actually while I was on duty and my intuitive skills started kicking in. Um, And so I started practicing and getting better and better at communicating with animals. And I found that not everybody that I was friends with at the time supported that idea. And to me... I just thought, why wouldn't you want to understand what animals were thinking? It just seemed like such a natural thing to me. It didn't seem like anything that anybody would be against or have a problem with or get upset about. But, oh, my gosh, some people have these horrendous opinions about it being witchcraft or the work of the devil. And, I mean, I had everything you can think of thrown at me. Um, that I was practicing, you know, all this crazy stuff. And and some of the people that I was friends with at the time, um, they started to get very distant and didn't want to hang out with me or be friends with me or have anything to do with me anymore because they thought what I was doing was so horrible and awful. And I was just blown away by that because it's like, you know, a better understanding, even when you understand a um, – another culture, another human culture better, better understanding is just good for everyone. You know, when you understand somebody or another species or another culture or another religion or another place or space or anything that you understand better, it just helps and benefits everyone. So I just couldn't see the downside to it. But apparently there are people that have opposite opinions of that. And so um, I began to lose um friends or so-called friends at the time and um it actually made me want to stop doing what I was doing because I was taking so much heat for it and I was I was getting a lot of um of negative feedback from people and I, and to, to me now when I look back on that it still kind of amazes me that people have such strong opinions about it it's like I'm not bothering anyone I'm not I'm not Going anywhere I'm not invited
1: They argue over if animals Have souls or not I mean it's all kinds of Stuff they get so mad about it I don't get it
2: I don't get it it's like God you know I like broccoli If you don't like broccoli I'm not going to force you To eat it but you know don't think Of me as being horrible because I like broccoli you know it's kind of the same Thing it's like I don't push it on anybody It's I'm here for those Who are open to it and, and Want to experience it And for those who don't, you know, fine, go about your business, but, boy, they have these harsh opinions, and they want to attack me. It's amazing how people want to attack me, and I've learned that it's their fear, because people, what they don't understand, they fear, and so they have to make me look bad, or they have to attack me, and and attack me personally um, in the worst ways, and I guess it makes them feel better. So... It doesn't bother me now, but at the time when I was learning or relearning or awakening the skills that I already had, it really bothered me and got me to the point where I wanted to stop doing it altogether, which, of course, I write about in the book, too, that I yeah. I had kind of stopped doing it.
1: Yeah, I read that. And then uh, there was an uh, unusual experience about a white dove. I wanted to tell you, you tell us about that story that the neighbors had rescued a little dove and uh, something happened.
2: Yeah, it was uh, quite unexpected. Um, again, I was at, back in the mortgage business. <laughs> Go figure, mm-hmm. there I was, back in the mortgage business again, and I got invited to a Fourth of July party here in the Spokane area. So I had left law enforcement and um, moved out to eastern Washington. And so I went to this... 4th of July barbecue, and we were all sitting there, and it was so hot out. I mean, it was just a typical 4th of July, and we were just all sitting around the back patio, and um, the gal who was having the party said that her next-door neighbor had a little bird that their cats caught, and they rescued it out of the cat's mouth, like literally shook this little bird out of the cat's mouth and saved it, and they were um, bringing it back to life, and feeding it, and watering it, and trying to get it healthy again, and they asked me if I wanted to um, go see this little bird, that maybe I could talk to it and find out where it came from, or if it had a home, or, you know, all the details like that, so at the time, I kind of wasn't even doing this anymore, so I just kind of said, well... Okay, I'll go have a look at this little birdie, but I was really hesitant. I just I just didn't want to stir it all up again. So you go to a you go to a um um a party or where there's a lot of people around and you know, you just there's some people who just don't understand what I do and it's not fun to be around somebody who's going to be negative, and so I just didn't want it to turn into something negative. So I went ahead and went next door to go check out this little bird and the craziest thing happened i was standing in this kitchen and there's all this commotion all around there's kids running around they're having water balloon fights outside i mean there's all the screaming and yelling of all the fourth of july activities and stuff and we're all standing in this kitchen and the the gal next door walks in with this little white dove sitting on the end of her finger. It was just perfectly calm in all of this madness and chaos of everything that was going on. It just sat there so perfect and still and calm and relaxed. And I thought, wow, that's not a wild bird. That's got to be some somebody's pet because it was just so calm. And, um, and she asked if I wanted to, to hold it, and I said, sure. So I put my finger out. And as soon as this little bird, it was a little dove, a little white dove, as soon as it, it stepped onto my finger, everything in the room changed. Everything stopped. Everything that had been happening, all the noise just dissipated, and all I could focus on was that little bird. And and this the, the, that's when the, this crazy thing happened where he only had messages for me and he had been waiting for me, and it just blew me away. I I was just taken back. I couldn't believe it. I was expecting it to say, you know, oh, well, I have a family, and I flew away, and I'd like to get back to my family, and none of that happened. It just was the craziest moment, and everything stood still, and everything got real quiet, and all I heard was this little dove talking to me. And it he actually knew who i was he said you're the human who talks to animals and he says i've been waiting for you and i was like what in the world Mm -hmm. how could this little dove know who i am and be waiting for me this is just so strange but i was mesmerized and i was so pulled in by this calm little bird sitting on my finger And he proceeded to tell me exactly what had been going on in my life. He knew everything that had been happening to me. He saw that people had been um, really rude and hurtful and, and saying awful things to me and that I had pretty much stopped communicating with animals. And he was there to tell me that I needed to follow my heart that this is what I was supposed to do with my life, and I needed to get back on track and keep communicating with animals, and he was there to encourage me to do that. So it just blew me away. I mean, I was just shocked standing there getting these messages in this kitchen. It just was totally shocking. And, and that's when it all started to kind of snowball. It kind of snowballed from there. That's when everything changed. That was such a well, pivotal moment a, for me.
1: It was um when I was reading it, I just almost started crying because um that um they're, that they have their own intuition too. And we do know that animals communicate with each other, and that was one of the next questions I wanted to to ask you, um do interspecies communication go on between animals?
2: They do. This is how they communicate with each other. You know, of course they use body language and they use verbal sounds, of course, because we can see them doing that. But they also have um, mind-to-mind communication, which is what I use. Some people call it telepathy. Some call it a psychic ability. Um, I call it reading energy. Um, It's an energetic message, and all animals communicate energetically. So they do this all the time. So they're really good at it, and they communicate with each other using that same energetic message, if you will. And, um, And we humans do it too. We just don't realize it, and we don't practice it. But if we practice it, we could get really good at it. And I like to use the example of... Um, anyone who has um, kids as a parent and I don't I don't have human kids but as a parent you sometimes just know when your kid is either hurt or if there's something wrong you get a sense or a knowing that's an energetic message that you're getting that's what you're picking up on or for instance, if um, identical twins have been known to be able to finish each other's sentences or know what the other one is doing without even being in the same room, they're picking up on energy and they're reading energy. It's just not always called that. You know, it's called many different things, but that's what it is. So, um, And yes, animals talk to each other energetically. They don't do so like humans as much as humans, because they don't need to, they have other forms of communication that they use more readily, mainly body language and 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 um, audible sounds, so they don't need to go into a full conversation like the human animal does, um, but they do i i've actually caught my own animals having conversations with each other, and it's it's hilarious they crack me up because they're usually talking about me. <laughs>
0: So,
2: <laughs> I love it. It's well, like eavesdropping.
1: Yeah, it's us, like that's why eaves, I was wondering, Dan, if my... I had a dream. <laughs> this was such an odd dream. I walked in the door, and my dog ran up to me, and I was with my then husband, and, and she sounded like Minnie Mouse. She said, hi, Shore, hi, Phil. And I was, oh, my God, and my dog talked to oh Yep, they do. <laughs> they do.
2: It's, it's funny. Some of them have... Um, you know, when I hear uh, when I communicate with animals, I usually hear them in my own voice in my head. So I know it's not um, um, my thought because it's I'm not thinking about whatever it is they're telling me. So I've trained myself to know what when their messages are coming in. So I usually hear it and it's in my voice and it's in my head. But every once in a while, Char, I'll get an animal that will have. Um, either a a different voice or a masculine voice or a feminine voice or a high-pitched voice or a low-pitched voice. In fact, one of the funniest moments I ever had was I was communicating with a hedgehog one time and it had a British accent, and I just about fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, what in the world it had a British accent? So like, I don't that know. Said
1: I, I said, that she has her voice, she sounds the like <laughs> And she talks a mile a minute. It's like, well, she's a little bit <laughs> Yeah, so- they do. They,
2: they do. They talk really, really fast. So it's hard sometimes to keep up with them. Humans are slow. We're slow at this. We're yeah. not as good as the animals are at this. We have to I have to tell them to slow down all the time or I have to ask them to repeat something. I'm always asking them to repeat. I'm like, "Can you send that to me again?" Cuz I'm trying to relay their message to their human. So as I'm a translator, so I'm the middleman. So I have to have ask the question, get the answer, and then I have to turn around and tell the human what they said. And then sometimes they'll just keep going and keep talking and want to talk about all kinds of things, and I have to tell them to send the message again. And sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't. It's not like talking to a human. Once, Sometimes once they send you a message, that's it. If you missed it, it's gone. They're not going to repeat it again. It just depends on the animal. It just depends on the situation. It depends on what's going on. There's so many different variables, and you just never know. And... The other thing too is some animals are better at communicating that way than others. Some are really, really horrible at it, and and it's like pulling teeth for me that they are are that um, difficult to communicate with. They either just don't want to, or they don't. They're not motivated to. And I'll tell you who the biggest. Well, I'll I'll put it out there and let you guess for a minute. If if you could choose a species of animal that. Is most difficult <laughs> to communicate with. This is a common animal. What do you think it would be? Exactly.
1: <laughs> they, they shine you on. They ignore you. They I, I've, do. I've, I've, they will. I've blow watched me them off. very closely, and they will oh, just walk off.
2: They just oh my sometimes they just won't have anything to do with it. They'll just be like la la la, not listening, la 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 talk to the paw, la 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 They're just <laughs> tuning me out. And it's like, Oh my gosh, cats drive me crazy that way. Dogs that usually are very forthcoming and Most of the time, you know, I'm talking in generals right now, most of the time Mm -hmm. they want to share and they're excited and they want to talk and they want to tell me all this stuff. And cats are like, yeah, whatevs,
1: you know. That's fine. Yeah, they they have a certain look.
2: They cop an attitude, they cop a catitude is what I call it.
1: It is a catitude. They kind of blink and turn their head. And then you know you've been dismissed. It's over.
2: Yep. And then, to keep, and
1: then to keep to keep their attention is
2: hard too. Do you, you know yeah.
1: That. Do you yeah do you find the the cats are superstitious? I saw a cat do something once, and I went, I can't believe cats think like that. They're almost like gypsies or or something. They're you know, very cats- strange.
2: Cats are some of the most intelligent creatures on the planet, and they scare me that they are so intelligent. And I don't mean scare like I'm afraid of them, but it's
1: no, it's, but amazing. It's, it's amazing.
2: It's amazing how intelligent they are. And I would say that they, you know, animals, in, most of the time they don't reason the way a human does, but cats, most cats will figure things out, and, and they can figure things out. But there there isn't like a, A layer of reasoning and like they don't walk around saying well if i you know if i push this vase off the counter um you know this is going to happen they know that they want to get a response from their human so they go and do something to get a response from their human that's how they that's how they are they're very um their mind is always thinking like that but they don't sit there and weigh things out like hmm should i have the tuna or the chicken tonight you know they just they don't do that they, they're they just very, um, very much in the moment. They just act and react just based on whatever the situation presents them with. But they totally can figure things out. And I know some dogs can too. I'm not saying that dogs can't figure things out. I'm just saying, generally speaking, um, the cats are way ahead in that area where they're able to um, figure things out and put things together. And, you know, I even have some clients that, they have me do vacation checks when they're gone, and they want to make sure that their pet sitter is taking care of their pets properly. And and the cats will even tattle on the pet sitters. if Like if the pet sitter isn't doing the job right or if the pet sitter has company over to the house and no one is supposed to be at the house, the cats will rat them out every time.
1: <laughs> you it's know, so funny. It. I can just it's see so it. It's so funny. <laughs> It is.
2: Yeah. So
1: that's her right uh, okay, I wanna go back to your story about the dove because I feel like uh that it's it's so important and, and as you said, pivotal because um you know, you know what the do not have to get the book people if you want to hear this whole story, but there's a part here where you're saying that um he uh was asking telling you about yourself that you uh go back to what you're you were uh made for and stuff like that and he said that you were uh he said consider yourself touched by God's hand and you're a child of God and to continue your work and he said that and then it then when he said the kids were asking the background, well, what do you want the what does he want his name to be? And then he said a name of dignity and so they named him Noah and I feel like um that uh, dove Wasn't the dove the Of peace That went and found out When Noah um, Wasn't it a dove That uh, You know I when the world so. Was flooded And I brought the so. message Back that we the... Yeah
2: There was the dove That Yeah I, I'm not up on all of my uh, Readings of, of Noah And the ark And the dove And all that But I think I think there was There was something To that And yes He um, He asked me have you ever been touched by the hand of God? And I was so taken away by that. I mean, who asks you that question? I mean, especially a little white dove sitting on your finger, and I said, I just didn't even know how to answer that. I was like, well, I don't think so, because I think I would remember that if I was touched by the hand of God. And then he said, consider yourself touched by his hand. You are a child of God, and you need to follow uh your heart's passion and and do this work that you were intended to do. So he was truly, in my opinion, that little dove was a messenger of God. I yeah. believe he was like God's right-hand dove and, and messenger. And,
1: <laughs> he was, because yeah, that's a, what the one in the in the no. they called it Noah, which was very odd to me, because when I read that I went, well, wasn't that for Noah, wasn't that the message bringer, the dove?
2: Right, And then I felt right. like
1: that's like something the higher power would do. And he the, always, these people had... He works They
2: had no idea what this bird was saying to me. I wasn't telling them any of that. All they heard was I was giving them little bits and pieces where he said he wanted to have his cage up higher off the floor. Um, He wanted to be kept away from the cats. I was only telling them little things like that. They were not hearing the story that was going on between the dove and myself. So the fact that they came up with that name, Noah is truly remarkable, because they didn't hear all that stuff touched by the hand of God. nobody knew that I didn't even tell anybody about that until i I wrote the book that was like a big secret i didn't I didn't share that with anyone. It was very, very private. I didn't intend for that story to get out. It just kind of got out.
1: Well, it's a beautiful story, and I well, think it needs to be you. told so you know so many people would just sw- wish an animal away or chase them off or you know what I mean when maybe they have something to say to you
2: right well um i it, i'm telling you it was such a pivotal moment in my life everything changed in my world on that day i was never the same person again after that day um i ended up quitting that job and very shortly after that and uh, doing this work full-time, and I've been doing it ever since. And, you know, it has just grown, and it has evolved, and so many wonderful things have happened. I've met so many incredible people, and I have to say that animal lovers are the best people in the world, and so I get to work with um, animal lovers. And if you think about it, they're the best, you know. They're the they're in my opinion, those who love and care for animals, especially uh, those that need help, that need um, foster care, or those who take in rescues and and all of that, they're the best people in the world, and that's who my clients are.
1: That sounds just amazing, and um, I want to ask you a question, because we were all very much, I'm just going to ask a couple uh, sad questions, but so we can just go on to the positive. But um, that when Cecil died, you know, that really hurt all of us. I mean, it hurt us through the core. And uh, many animal lovers were uh, very dejected after that. And did you have any kind of psychic uh, communication with Cecil or anything? Or did you hear something from the other animals about this incident?
2: Oh, my gosh. Did I get a message from Cecil? Did you? I got... I got the most incredible message from Cecil the Lion. In fact, um, I posted it on my Facebook, and within 72 hours, it went viral, global, viral. And I had over a million hits on my Facebook page. And if you Google Karen Anderson and Cecil the Lion, you'll see that there's like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles written about me. Most of them are really cruel and hurtful and personally attacking me, but I don't care. I got this incredible message from Cecil, and he asked me to share his message, and so I did, and he knew what he was doing, because the message went global. So yes, I I got quite quite a message from him.
1: Well, what was he saying? Did you... Or do you want us to go to your uh, page?
2: <laughs> well, I'll, I have to read it to you because it's it's so um, okay, I don't you. I don't want to mess it up. So let me let me pull it up here on my computer. Okay. Here it is. It says um, I posted this on July twenty ninth of twenty fifteen. And um, when I saw the story about Cecil come across um, my computer that day, I was just sitting down to get ready for a day full of um, sessions. And um, I was so saddened by that loss, and I was just so heartbroken by the tragedy. And he was just such an incredibly beautiful creature, and it was just so heartbreaking. I just couldn't get my head on straight And I kept trying to focus and get ready for my sessions that day and I kept getting distracted and thinking about Cecil and how horrible that must have been for him and, you know, pictures of it plastered all over the Internet. I I just couldn't get my head on straight. So in an attempt to try to get ready for a day full of sessions, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to connect with him. I'm going to tell him how many people are saddened over his loss and how many people are sending love and well wishes and um, were truly just heartbroken by what happened. And I just wanted to check in with him to make sure he was okay. I mean, that's what I do for a living. I connect with animals, both living and deceased. So I really did it for selfish reasons because I just couldn't get focused. And uh, lo and behold, um, his energy, when it came through to me, it literally felt like um, something incredible entered into my space, into my office. It was like the hair on your arm stands up, and you get like this kind of whooshing sensation, um, like the, almost the air around you is changing, and, and the energy just shifted. So it was really powerful. I knew something big was coming. I just didn't know how big it was. So I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to quote here. He said, Let not the actions of these few men defeat us or allow darkness to enter our hearts. If we do, then we become one of them. Raise your vibration and allow this energy to move us forward. What happened does not need to be discussed as it is what it is. Take heart, my child. I am finer than ever, grander than before as no one can take our purity our truth or our soul ever i am here be strong and speak for all the others who suffer needlessly to satisfy human greed bring light and love and we will rise above this end of quote
1: so you no know, cuz i had that answers a lot of questions too i have about animals that are caught for sport or for food, you know, how do they feel about this whole thing when it's happening, you know, worldwide? It's very upsetting to me sometimes.
2: Well, it is truly, um, you know, I don't know a single animal that ever wants to die. I mean, animals don't commit suicide. That's the human animal that does that. So, you know, just thinking of it that way, animals have a will to survive. So any animal that loses its life doesn't want to lose its life it wants to live you know the survival instincts of mother nature are there and that's why they're these animals are on the planet because they have this survival instinct so they all want to live when they come to the end of a natural life that's a different story they don't want to continue in a body that's failing them they don't they don't see the um the dignity in in that at all. In fact, they're they're very accepting of the death and dying process and see it as a normal step. But an animal that is taken before its natural death, it's there is trauma, just as there would be with a human, and it's usually an unresolved trauma because it's usually, you know, we can get into all the uh, issues with factory farming and animals exactly. taken for sport and you know you could go into all of that and and I I can't I can't get into it too much because it it'll make me sick in my stomach you know I don't no, want to no. think about it so I have to just tell you that I have never yet met an animal that was okay with a human killing it never I have I have talked to animals all the time at the end of their natural life that are um very accepting and grateful when their human helps them leave their physical body, that's a different story, but no, an animal who is hunted or killed or taken before the end of their natural life they're they're never okay with that that's just that just doesn't happen. Not the animals I've connected with I can't speak for every animal on the planet. I can only tell you that's that the animals that I have connected with. Not a single one of them was okay with it. You know, there's always some kind of of trauma or sorrow involved or leaving family behind or whatever it is The in the moment of what happened, fear or being chased or whatever it was. It's, that's, you know, that's just my experience, and I can only talk from that, but... Um, Cecil was obviously a very high vibrational energy and his message was so profound. Um, he asked me to share it and I did. I just posted it on my Facebook because I felt so much better after I got that message from him. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I was just blown away by his his depth and his um intensity and his just such a beautiful message and I thought if this helped me then surely it'll help the other people that follow me on my Facebook page it'll help them deal with this senseless tragedy and so I posted it and within three days it was all over the world crazy
1: amazing but it hurt everybody all over the world too so it meant a lot to everybody
2: it did and you know, yeah. I, I, I'm I really amazed that one lion can create that kind of response in people. But there was just something about him, and I don't know if it was because of um, um, the way he was lured off the game preserve that he was on. I don't know if it has... If there's something to do with just him being King of the Beast, I don't know if it has something to do with the the Disney movie and everyone loves the Disney movie. I don't know the reasons why, but people were really horrified and upset by that tragedy. And just to have this message from Cecil helped so many people. I had people writing me from all over the world every continent on the on the, in the world every continent i was getting messages from um i I was blown away by the outpouring of love and how many people reached out to me and said, you know, I don't even know if I believe in what you do, but I just have to tell you, thank you for posting that message about Cecil because I couldn't stop crying when I heard about it or I've just been so upset, but after reading that message, I feel better, so thank you so much. I mean, it was just incredible how many people reached out to me.
1: That's wonderful, and it just reminds us that nothing is done without a reason. It may have been bad, but it also carried the message. What it reminded me of, let me tell you, it reminded me of something very strange. Do you you ever read that book, Billy Budd? No. Okay. Billy Budd uh, was a sailor that was completely innocent all the time. So it was kind of getting him in trouble uh, because there was an evil ship captain. And uh, he accidentally made a mistake by telling the truth. Anyway, in the end, he was killed even though he was innocent. And the ship captain couldn't stand his innocence for some reason. You know what I'm saying? And it reminded me of the animals that are majestic and their beauty and that for some evil reason, a person would want to take somebody like that down. It reminded me of that.
2: Right, right.
1: It's a very small book, but it's very intense. But it reminds me of the, the condition of man you know, and uh, the Garden of Eden and all that. We don't have that because of our actions, and uh, this tells us that uh, the animals are in it with us, you know, and I don't know, I'm just glad you told that story. It meant a lot, you know, and also... Yeah, well,
2: I have to be honest. I did it, you know... For very personal reasons, because I couldn't get my head on straight that day, and so I just thought I'm just going to reach out to Cecil, make sure he's okay, and then, boom! I get this incredible message, and um, you know, and then recently with uh, Harambe, the the silverback gorilla. Um,
1: Yes, I wanted to ask you that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, and um, I posted about Harambe as well. Um, I did not, um, unfortunately, receive good messages from Harambi. He was in a total state of uh, turmoil shock. when I Yeah. yeah to, total shock. You can imagine, you know, he was uh he was killed um by the zoo personnel and um I I can only say that it, it took many, many times with me connecting with him and communicating with him to explain to him what happened. He had no idea what had happened. He had no idea. He wasn't doing anything wrong in his mind. He was only protecting his territory, um, trying to figure out the threat level. Um, He had no clue what had happened, and and it was really not very pleasant when I first connected with him. He was in such a state of confusion and, and upset. So I spent a lot of time with him just trying to explain to him what happened. You know, when you when you're trying to explain from a human perspective, you know, the animals don't always understand our human concepts. So in Harambe's situation, he didn't understand that he had done something so bad that he should be killed. He didn't understand that. So that was really hard for me to try to describe to him and I did the best I could, but it was not it was not a very pleasant communication the first few times because of all the turmoil that he was in. So he's in a much better um, frame of mind now, and um, I've just asked whoever um, you know wants to to send him loving thoughts. And you know that's another thing you, you can you can send a loving thought to any anyone, any animal, any being on this planet, and they will receive it on the other side and I don't know how that works there's some kind of special thing that happens but all good thoughts and all prayers and all well wishes they're all received by the being that they're intended for it's kind of like having that that particular um, person or animal's cell phone number and dialing it up when you say a prayer for them it just goes right to their voicemail and they get it you know I'm I'm trying to paint a picture here of how it must work. I don't know how it works, but it works. So the more well wishes and positive thoughts that you can say um, about Harambe and Cecil and anyone who has passed on, they will receive that message and it will be gladly received. So I've just been sending him lots of love all the time and asking people to do the same and um, you know, just tried to explain the unfortunate circumstances of what happened he was mainly upset because all the people were screaming up on the main level yeah i could tell
1: that's what he was reacting because he's trying to figure it out
2: yeah he was like what you know he he was doing what a gorilla would normally do determine the threat level in his environment that's what he was doing and because everyone was screaming so loud he was getting more and more upset by that and so he he was becoming more and more agitated by that. So, you know, it's just unfortunate, really, really unfortunate.
1: Um what was his intention towards the boy? Was he thinking anything about that or wondering how to get him up back up there or what once in a while I saw him looking up and said I think he's trying to figure a way to throw him back up there. He was
2: not um he was not intending his intention was he could have he could have killed that little boy
1: instantly instantly
2: split second so he knew that the Mm -hmm. little boy was not a threat so that's that wasn't an issue the issue was the level of anxiety that was being raised outside the enclosure and and that was freaking him out so his intention when when i connected with him was to just determine the level of threat to his environment it wasn't to cause harm to the boy it was to try to figure out what was going on and to protect his territory he was just doing what he would naturally do out in the wild so would the little boy have been harmed possibly um Mm -hmm. i don't know what would have happened you know because he he was he was killed so i don't know what would have happened but he certainly could have caused him um great harm or killed him within the very first moments of that happening, but he actually went into, like, protective mode. He kind of stood over the boy.
1: Um, yeah, I saw protectively.
2: Yeah, and he kind of put him in the corner so he could figure out what was going on. He was like, what are all these people screaming about up here? That's what he was doing. It's, it's, and the and, boy uh,
1: was just looking at him like that, too. Yeah. It was like It was like yeah. that. I think that he, he's so magnificent, really. I'm sorry, you know, that he left because he was such a, a awesome animal, really, and brilliant yeah. and uh, beautiful on top of it. But the way the little boy was looking at him was another thing. I was thinking, goodness, uh, what's going on down there? Yeah,
2: it it's, you know, any time that situation happens where, you know, humans get involved with wild animals. It's really unfortunate, and the animals always lose out, um, almost always lose out. So, you know, it's unfortunate, and it's heartbreaking, but, you know, these things happen sometimes, so all we can do is try to improve so that it doesn't happen again. That's all we can do. You know, it breaks my heart, but, you know, it's,
1: it's just it's really sad. It is sad. Now um, let me ask you another question. We'll get off that one because I didn't want to stay there too long. So because uh, it is very really sad, and um, you know, I pray for the animals when I do my Bible study every Sunday. I send a, a, a prayer out for those who can't speak for themselves, That's which awesome. is the animals to me. You know, I I have to because you know I know that they're at our mercy, really. So um, then, uh, so you're married, right?
2: No, I'm single. No, you're
1: not? Oh, you're single? Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Me
1: too. I was married. But how does your family feel about it? I only asked because I was wondering if your your husband, if you had a husband, what did he think or what did your family think?
2: Well, my ex-husband, um, who I was with at the time that I wrote the book, Here All Creatures, um, he actually kind of made fun of me in the beginning too. You know, he'd joke about it and tease me about it. And... um You know, wasn't very nice about it. But then he actually um, went to one of my first public events here in Spokane. I did a, um, there was a pet fair or a pet fest or something like that at the Spokane fairgrounds. And I had a booth, and he was helping me um, at the booth. And um, he actually saw me in action one time, um, which he had never done before, because I had only done sessions privately in my office with the door closed, like real, you know, secretly behind doors, not letting anybody see what I was doing only because um I was new and just starting out and any distraction was not good, so I would close my door and just be in my office. But at this event I was out there in the open and there were all these people around and you know, there were wiener dog races going on and people were cheering for the little wiener dogs that were running back and forth and there's all this activity and stuff and this this woman showed up she had heard on the news that i was going to be at the fairgrounds and so she drove all the way in like an hour and a half drive um, with her dog um, to get a reading from me and uh, only to find out when she got there that i wasn't doing readings at the fairgrounds because it was just too noisy and too many distractions and and she was really kind of upset she's like but i drove an hour and a half to get here and i i really just want to to have a reading with my dog and so it was like towards the end of the day it was the last day of the event and so I just my ex-husband looked over at me and said well, what do you want me to do and I said okay come on over so I had the girl come over with her dog and sit down and I ended up doing a reading for her right there and my ex-husband was standing right there and he saw the whole thing happen he heard the whole thing happen and I actually wrote about that in my book too um because it was it was such a it was such an incredible message that came through from the dog that that changed him forever. You know, he needed to have his own experience. He needed to see me in action yeah, and actually yeah. experience it and then he was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, she really does talk to the animals. You know, how did she know that?" It was such a and um you know, this incredible message that came through so once that happened he never made fun of me again and he was a a very big uh, supporter of my work and um, continued to go to all the events with me that's when I started doing the psychic events and I would do like 15 shows a year I travel all over the U.S. and I do all the different psychic shows and do readings right at the shows and so he attended every single one of them with me after that and helped me out so it really changed him, but he needed to have his own experience and that's that's how it is for most people. You have to experience it yourself so that you can actually see what it's all about and what's it, what it's like because otherwise it does sound hokey you know i f- I forget how hokey it sounds because it's my day in and day out work, and i'm it's just what I do, and I don't think of it that way anymore but to someone who isn't in in the psychic realm like I am, it sounds crazy. And I understand that. So to have your own experience, that's really, truly the best way to go about it because then you can make your own decision. You can make up your own mind and, you know, and see what it's all about because it really is, it's, it sounds crazy. I'll be the well, first one to admit it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, my I had a bird named Roscoe, and he was a little zebra finch. You know how they're, they're very cute? They have little Uh red, round cheeks, and you know what they look like? Yeah. The zebra-finch? Okay, so I had him for a really long time. I think he lived to be Methuselah, 17 or something. It was crazy. But he loved his life. I mean, he had a whole little thing going on. He had about 250 babies, three wives. I mean, it was all crazy with all these things. And they were just like regular birds, but he was like a man among birds. And he had a wonderful life, and we, I really did love him a lot. But one day I went up, I always said goodbye to him in the morning and gave him warm water because he would drink it like tea with his eyes closed. He was so sweet. And then uh, one morning, I know I'd say goodbye to him, you know. I said, bye, Roscoe. And he was in his nest. I said, what are you doing there? And he turned, his, he turned stark white. This is what I saw. And, he, and even his eyeballs every, He turned stark white And he turned his back on me In the nest for the first time ever In his whole life And I, he'd been my friend for like 17 years Anyway I went on to work And at that time I was working out, outpatient intensive for women So we were sitting in group And in my mind's eye about 11 o'clock He passed away But he, I, in my mind's eye I saw him Flying like a, fast As hard as he could up to heaven Because he thought he was flying to heaven Right, you know what I mean, and he was right. new again he was he was young, and he was flying straight to heaven, and wow. it was a feeling I had before I saw him my you know I felt him leave you know like a pang, I'm like, oh, no, and when I came back he was he was dead, and he didn't look white like I saw he really did not want me to look at him when he was dying. He's like what you, you were know, saying that's, they that's, when they know they're is, dying,
2: right, they do and I have to tell you, you're so right on there. There are so many times that an animal doesn't want their human around them um, to see that or waits until their human leaves or goes on vacation or goes away for the weekend or something. Um, My animals do that to me. I just lost one in May. Um, I was down on on a trip to Los Angeles to see my mom for Mother's Day, and I lost one of my senior kitties while I was gone, there's, you see, in the animal kingdom, any sign of illness or injury is a sign of weakness, so they don't want to appear weak. Um, Just like, you know, a human, we don't really want people seeing us when we're at our worst. We don't want people visiting us when we're sick and, you know, we've got like the flu or something. We don't want anyone around us. We want to put our best foot forward, and so do the animals. They want to live their life with dignity, and they want to live their life looking happy, healthy, and whole. They don't want us to see them in any way except as the best that they can be, and so this happens quite a bit, so I'm not surprised at all, but I love that imagery that you got, that, that, I message, know. that energetic message, that's really, that's really powerful. It startled me to
1: backing off, it was powerful, because he was always sending me dreams anyway, if I didn't like getting up, he would send me dream of fish floating in water, I swear to God. He would do all kinds of stuff to me. And I, it was, like, disgusting, but he was a communicator. He'd tell that's me everything. So I know.
2: <laughs> and see, some of them are really good at that, you know, and then you yeah. might never have another animal that's good at doing that. Um, and, and others are just kind of okay at it. Um, so, you know, it's uh, every animal is different, just like every human being communicates at a different level some are excellent communicators some humans excellent communicators you take any random sampling of a hundred people and you ask them to get up in on a stage and talk in front of a group you're going to have some people that are great at it you're going to have some people that are horrible at it you're going to have some right in the middle that's how it is when you communicate with animals Some are going to be really great, some are going to be not so good, and then some are going to be right in the middle. And every animal is different, and you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And also, Char, it depends on their mood and what's going on that day. Like you and I, we have good days, we have bad days. Sometimes we're real happy and we're real chatty and we want to chat we want to talk and we want to share everything. Some days we're like, you know what, go away, leave me alone. I don't feel good. I'm tired. I'm grumpy, whatever. And sometimes we just aren't up to it. Animals are the same way. Sometimes they're just not up to it. So you just never know what you're going to get. But I've never had an animal flat out refuse to communicate with me. I've had plenty of humans flat out refuse to communicate with me. What does that tell you about the human race and how much more uh, we can learn from the animals? You know, animals usually will send some kind of message to me, even if it's, you know, I'm grumpy or I'm tired or I'm this or I'm that, they'll send me that message where a human will just be rude and hateful and, you know, animals aren't that way.
1: Well, when you have a consultation, how how is it set up? Um, did you want us to you, know, you want to tell us uh, how you go through it or uh, when somebody connects with you and they want you to, have a consultation with them, um, uh, do you go to them or they go to you? All
2: of my sessions are over the phone. Um, I train myself to connect with an animal just off of their photograph. And, um, and that's actually the best way to learn if you want to learn how to do this. I teach my students to practice with just a photo. Um, because sometimes the animal is passed on, so you can't have them there. If you're connecting with an animal that has passed on, you can only have their picture. And so having that animal's picture is like having that animal's cell phone number. I can dial up their energy. I taught myself to focus in on that animal in the picture. And um, I don't need a picture, but I like a picture because I'm lazy And a picture makes it much easier for me to connect than, for for instance, let's say you have a black cat named Blackie, you know, and it's passed on. So I'm going to have to really focus my attention and energy, if you don't have a picture, on trying to imagine what your black cat named Blackie looks like that died 10 years ago. I mean, that's a tall order. I can do it, but it's going to take a lot more effort and energy than if you just send me a picture then I have their picture, it's like oh okay, there's Blackie, got him, dial him up so because I'm a lazy psychic, I want those pictures plus I like to see their cute little faces I like to see them looking at me I like to see how cute they are I like to see um, what you saw when you looked at them when they were in your life that's what's fun for me because I love animals. So I want to see their cute little faces. So I, I all of my sessions are over the phone, uh, my clients send me their animals picture. And um many times we have multiple animals that we're connecting with during one session because I'll do um I do a lot of behavior issues. In fact, that's become one of my specialties is um resolving behavioral problems and um, and just creating a better understanding between the human and the animal. And, um, and so um, I will deal a lot with um, some follow-up sessions if we need to, if there's a particular behavior problem that is going to take a while. Sometimes we get things resolved in one session. Sometimes it takes more than one session. And sometimes the, the animals just need a, a brush-up, like a follow-up um, phone call with me, like, I often hear this from my clients that, oh, hey, you know, you did a session first three months ago and everything's been going great, but lately they've kind of gotten back into their old behaviors again. We have a follow-up session. We get everybody back on board again. Right. So, you know, they have to be reminded sometimes about what we want from them or how we want things to go. And, um, and so that's what I do. So I never know what my day is going to be. I never know what the sessions are going to be because I don't look at them until the moment I sit down to prepare for that session. So it's always fun for me because I never know what what the day will bring. It may be an animal that is passed on. It may be animals that are here. Maybe behavior problems. Maybe a health issue. Uh, I just never know. So every day is different and fun and unique, and I always learn something. There's never a day that goes
1: by I don't learn something. There is because you're talking about something that uh, is really, to me, it's like layers of interdimensional stuff. All kinds of things could be happening here, you know. Uh, right. We don't know. Somehow God has made a place for it and designed. For it. to me, I believe in higher power, but anyway, you know, has designed this to you know people that you're talking about the fear, all this kind of extra communication if you would say but um i fear it are missing so much they're actually missing three-fourths of what's going on to me i know i know if you're that afraid you know you're cutting off three-fourths of life right here you're you know. know i they begin to be ignorant to me i hate to say that if uh You're saying, uh, how do you know it isn't happening, you know?
2: Well, exactly. I have people who say that to me. Well, do you have hard evidence and hard proof that you're actually communicating with that animal? I said, I don't, but my clients do. Ask my clients. They're the ones that sit there and tell. When when a message comes through to me, I don't always know what that message means. And I'll give you a for instance. The message isn't necessarily meant for me. Sometimes it is, but it isn't always meant for me. So... I write about um, in my book. One of my favorite stories is that message about the the gal that drove all the way to see me at the at the Spokane fairgrounds, and um, she had a pit bull, and I think the pit bull's name was Sarah. I, I'm trying to remember; it was so long ago. But anyway, she had this real pretty pit bull, and had her with her. And the first thing that the dog told me is that he, she was worried about her human because their human was having night trauma. Hmm. And I said to the dog, night trauma, what is night trauma? And it wouldn't tell me, it just said night trauma. So I turned to the human and I said, are you having some kind of trouble at night, or is there something going on at night? She says, well, I'm having trouble sleeping. Well, that's what the dog meant. The dog meant... Trouble sleeping because the the human said every time that she had trouble sleeping, she'd get up and the dog would get up with her and you know they would pace around the house or you know do whatever she did because she couldn't go back to sleep. Well, the dog didn't say trouble sleeping, so I love w- that they will pick words and put them together yeah, to that, get a message through to
1: precisely, me. Precisely, precisely. Yeah,
2: me. yeah. So um, so she said that she was having night trauma, and I said okay, and I said, and then the dog said to me um. Tell her to stop doubting that there's something really, really big that she's been doubting. And tell her to stop doubting. And and so I'm relaying this message to the human, and I'm saying, there's something really big that you've been doubting. And I even stood up out of my chair, and I, I drew it in the air, something really big in the air with my arms. I stood up on my tippy toes, and I put my arms up in the air, and I said, there's something really, really big that you've been doubting. And I'm making this big arm gesture because that's what the dog was describing to me was something really really big I didn't know what was so big but I'm delivering this message because that's my job and this woman looked at me and she started to cry she got like tears in her eyes and she just starts crying she's like Karen how did you know that how did you know that I said how did I know what I don't know what did I say I didn't know what I said What's this really big thing you've been doubting? And she looked at me with these big, huge crocodile tears in her eyes, and she's like, I have been doubting the existence of God, and it's been so upsetting to me. I have been losing sleep, and I can't sleep at night, and I haven't been able to do anything, and my friends have been trying to send me to their pastors or their ministers, or they've been trying to send me to this Read this book Or read that book And she says I just have been doubting The existence of God How did you know that? And I said I didn't wow. I didn't know that I knew it was something big But <laughs> I
1: didn't know How well, big, big it was it's... Wow um, I mean you know, that's it's, big it's a, You know But this is There's a a thread That's going In and out of here Is that golden thread Of the spirituality And Uh it's, It's I can see how this, because I believe that it's, you're supposed to be like this. You know what I right. mean? That this yes. is it. That a lot of us have a problem, like one of my psychic friends has told me that I'm in the closet. And I went, what do you mean? She says, you know what I mean. And what it means is I hide. I hide. You know what I mean? With uh, I've been given them many gifts, and I'm hiding with them. Yeah. You know? So well, it's a. Uh,
2: we have so. been persecuted um i know yeah. i have i believe I, I believe in past lives i believe in reincarnation i believe that i was persecuted for this very same work that i did in a past life several past lives and so we carry that with us into this lifetime and you know being it. persecuted um isn't a good memory <laughs> to have so you know, we walk very lightly with our gifts, and, you know, we we are, you know, I was anyway. I was very careful about who I told about what I did for a living. And even to this day, you know, I'm, I'm anymore, I just tell people I'm a pet psychic and medium when they ask me what I do for a living, and I just love to watch their expression because, you know, their faces <laughs> kind of contort, and they start to, you know, morph, and they look at me, and they tilt their head, they cock their head and look at me, and they're like, is she messing with me? You know, is she for real? Is she just pulling my leg? You know, yeah. I love watching the the reactions to people, but I just tell people now. But there was a day, Shar, where I wouldn't even tell people what I did for a living, and I'm ashamed to say that out loud right now. But it's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to know because of the ridicule and the persecution and the hate and the hurtful comments. All of those things used to really bother me. They don't bother me anymore.
1: I'm past that.
2: I'm way beyond that. I'm not quite
1: past it yet. I'm a little bit traumatized still, but, you know, people scared me when I was little. That's why. I think it happened so young with people's negative reaction. I think that it will take me a while to shake. Now that I'm entering a part of my life where it's just going to be me doing stuff, you know, I think uh, pretty soon that I will step out, you know.
2: And it's not well, fun to be—it's not fun to be ridiculed about anything. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but you know, we say, "Oh, kids can be so mean." You know, like bullies at school. You know, ridiculing someone. All of us have, at some time, have had somebody tease us about something, and it's not fun. And no. it, it's hurtful, and none of us like it. And. You know, to to have a profession or to have an ability that people mock and ridicule, um, I have to tell you, it's it's not always a fun ride. But, you, you know, you just have to, at least for me anyway, I just have to remember all the good that has come from it and how many people I have helped and how yeah. many times I've had people write to me and say, Oh, my gosh, Karen, thank you so much. That was the best session I've ever had, and ever since that session, I am so much more at peace with myself and with God or with whatever it is they were dealing with, and it's like, you know what, that's, to me, that's worth anybody saying anything negative to me in the future. They can throw whatever hatefulness at me they want, and it's just going to go out the door. I don't even care.
1: That's great, really great to hear. And um, let's say when you're actually communicating with the animals, and what's their most common concerns, or what are they worried about?
2: Um, They don't really worry too much. (laughs) The animals are pretty much, (laughs) animals, I love this. They're just in the moment. Their favorite topic is themselves. Their second (laughs) favorite topic is themselves. And their third favorite (laughs) topic is themselves. So, They're always about themselves. They're very self-centered, but not in a human, egotistical way. Um, They really are chatty about what they're doing in their life and what's going on around them, the things they like. They talk about a lot. Um, They don't spend a lot of time talking about what they don't like, which is also a human trait. Humans talk all the time about what they don't like. Animals, not so much. Animals are very, very positive. They're very upbeat. They're very much about... um, They see the good in things. It's the human animal that sees the negative in everything and focuses on the negative. There's not too many animals that focus on the negative, with the exception of animals that are in an abusive or hurtful situation. That's a different story. Um, Mm. But if we're just talking about you know, the average um, dog or cat or horse or something that is in a good home and is being loved and cared for, they talk about what's interesting, too, is they'll talk about their human and what's going on in their human's life. You know, just like that story I told you at the Spokane Fairgrounds where the dog was talking how his human was having night trauma, they do like to talk about their humans, and um, they find us kind of – um odd creatures uh, because we, as humans, spend so much time worrying about things and not being present. Um, they don't understand that. They don't understand why we, uh, on our minds, we have things from two weeks ago or a month ago or we stress out about things that haven't happened yet. They don't get that. That's not something that they can comprehend. They just think that's kind of a waste of time and that's what it has taught me is that worrying about stuff, whether past or future, is a waste of time. Just be in the moment, you know? Be here right here. Really yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Live your life. Um, be present. We so many of us are not present. You know, we don't even listen. We are tuned into our iPads and iPhones and smartphones and computers, but we're not present, we're not listening. And, you know, animals, of course, are very present, and they're always listening, they're always paying attention, and it's all about the moment right here, right now. It's really hard to tell an animal about something that's coming up if it's not imminent, because they don't think ahead into the future like we do. Like, I, I'll have some clients say, well, we're moving in six months. Can you tell my animals? And I said, no. I said, let's wait till you guys are getting ready to actually move, and then I'll tell your animals. Because six months to an animal is like a hard concept for them to understand. Six months. You know? It's or like, we're uh, gonna... Yeah,
1: they don't know. They know. Uh, they. I feel like my dog does know a day. They do. You know, so they me do. They know the. Know a the
2: day. Yep, the 24 hours. They know the light of day and the dark of night. When I go away for the weekend, I tell my animals I'll be gone for three dark nights, and I'll be back on the fourth light day. They understand that. They do understand some animals that a full moon is a full month. So when you talk about something being a full moon away. They can kind of get the idea of it being a full month away, but they don't look at a calendar or a clock the way that we do, although they do like things to be on a regular schedule. So they have time and timing, but it's not because the clock says it. It's because they're aware and they pick up on it through er, their, excuse me, they pick up on it energetically. So... We humans are way behind, in my opinion. Animals are way ahead of us in a lot of things, and, um, and that is living a stress-free life. And, um, you know, one of the biggest um, calls I get, one of the most common calls I get is an animal that is acting out or doing something that the human doesn't want it to do, And this is what's interesting in behavior resolution. I can almost always trace it to something that the human is doing to that animal, almost always. So the animal is just reacting to us when it comes to behavior issues. They're reacting to their environment and we're part of their environment. So when there's a behavior issue, Almost always I can trace it back To something that human is doing So all I have to do Is get the human to modify What they're doing And then we get the animal's behavior To modify as well
1: you need a little break or anything right now? That would be great Okay, why don't we take a A few minutes break Probably two, three minutes I'm going to put on a song for you guys And so we're just going to take a little break And we'll come back and then we're going to have uh, the phone lines open for your questions, 619-924-9744. Okay, just uh, go ahead, and uh, I'll be back in a couple minutes, Karen. Take care. Okie dok. Okay, just stay on hold. Anyway, that was Donna Summer. We got to record that with permission because I'm friends with the producer of her old stuff. But anyway, I would like to welcome Karen Anderson back. She's a a psychic animal communicator, and she's also a psychic medium. And Karen, are you back?
2: Yes, I am.
1: Hello. 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 Okay, so if you uh, people that... Are in queue and have any questions? Could you please uh, press number one because there's people on the line calling in. But if they're just listening, it won't have a question mark. So if you want to talk, press one. I hope it's working. But anyway, I see you on here, area code two one six. But I don't not for sure you want to come on. So anyway, so uh, let's see what else. Okay, so, you know, um, I know that you believe in the afterlife, which I believe too. Um, Do you believe, you know, how the story goes, that animals come back or they come back at somebody else or that there's ghost animals? What do you – what have you found out about that?
2: Well, um, again, I I have to just share my experiences here, and it's all from actual sessions and then personal experiences. So – in my experience I have found that animals do come back. Um they do reincarnate. Most of the time they come back as how we remember them. So if they were a, a dog, they come back as a dog. If they were a cat, they come back as a cat. Um but I have had um personal experiences and sessions where the animal has changed to a different type of animal. And that was one of the stories in my book as I wrote about um um, there was a a little stray cat that I was, um, when I was really young, like eight years old, there was a stray cat across the street, and I was trying to call it over to me and, and communicate with it um, when I was little. And this cat came across the street, and then right in front of me it got hit by a car, and it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. anyway, m-
2: many, many years later, I found out that, and I'm not going to give it away, But I found out who that cat actually was in its next lifetime, and it was a real huge surprise. It was like, "Whoa!" I didn't see that one coming. So, and that's in the book too. um, Here, all creatures. So, um, but most of the time, um, and my clients, um, the sessions I have with them, we have found that their animals will usually come back as the same type of animal that they were before um i've got a great story i'm writing about for my next book where um there was a a pit bull named captain that uh, told us in a session exactly where to find him he gave us clues as to who would be involved and, and finding him again and um all kinds of really incredible details and he wrote he told us about that there would be something about the letter c as in captain uh would have something to do with his return and how his human would find him again and um it actually turns out that the the human Went to go, followed all these clues, and went to go find this new reincarnated captain. And the puppy that he got actually had the letter C on its head. Like that wow! Was, that was in in part of its on its skin and it was a white dog so you could see the capital letter C on the top of its head and we have pictures of it and it is the coolest thing so that's going to be in the next book but oh my gosh crazy stuff like that so I've seen all kinds of things happen Um, some animals aren't ready to come back right away Um, it's all it's just so unique and different you just never know Um, some want to return right away and some don't Um, It's such a wonderful experience to be on the other side or in heaven or whatever you want to call um, the afterlife. It's just truly beautiful, and I can see why no one wants to leave there and who wants to come back to this earth when this earth is such a difficult place to live in sometimes. So Mm -hmm. when they get over there, sometimes they don't want to return or sometimes their purpose is to stay over there and to help other souls or other beings on the other side. I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios. I've found that there is no rule book when it comes to the afterlife and reincarnation. I think it's whatever each individual soul can benefit from. And if there's um, um, something that a soul can learn in being either coming back as the same type of species that it was or changing species or even staying over there. I think it just depends on each individual soul. I don't think that all dogs have to return as dogs, all cats have to return as cats. I don't believe that. I think it's whatever that individual soul can benefit from. That's my personal belief. So I I hope I answered that.
1: Yes, and uh have you ever seen or noticed a spirit animal?
2: Oh. You know, um all the time <laughs> every day in yeah. my office. <laughs> um but I don't see them as uh as paranormal uh like you would see a ghost. I don't see them that way. Um now when I've gone on ghost investigations in other locations, Um, Yes, I have experienced ghost animals, but in my work, when I work with animals who have passed away, um, I don't see them as ghosts. They don't appear to me ghostly. They appear to me very much the way that they were when they were here. So that's what I see in my mind's eye. I see how they were and what they look like, or I'll see their eyes, or I'll get an image or an imprint of of their personality, so um, they don't look ghostly to me. Um, only when I go and and investigate paranormal places do I experience ghost animals. So, and that's that's kind of interesting because. Mm-hmm you wonder why the ones that I see would appear to me that way and the ones at other places appear. I don't know. I don't have those answers. I can only tell you from experience that I don't have a lot of ghost animals walking around my house (laughs) or my office. (laughs) (laughs) But when an animal does come in for their session, when their energy enters in, I can feel the change in the atmosphere. I can feel them. It's like, I love this example. Have you ever been at the grocery store and you're standing in line and somebody comes up behind you in line? They don't touch you. You don't turn around, but you can feel them back there. You know they're oh, there. Oh, yeah,
1: Definitely. Okay.
2: That's the sensation I get is I know somebody's here or I feel that an energy has entered into my space or my room or my office or wherever I am. And when I'm working, I'm so focused on that individual, that person or that animal, whoever it is that I'm connecting with, that I immediately open up to them and I start receiving information. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I gather facts. I'm looking for evidence and facts. So I'm always asking them, who are you? How are you related? You know, are you, um, are you human or animal? Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not. Uh, sometimes an energy just comes through as an abstract energetic form and they don't take a shape other times they'll take a shape and you'll see that it's human or you'll see that it's animal that every single session is different every single experience is unique and i have to literally put my work hat on and i have to try to investigate and decipher who is here and who i'm connecting with and how they're related to my clients so um, it's really, to me, that's the fun part because that's my cop background. And that's the, yeah. for me being able to combine both of those things that I love is law enforcement and then the psychic realm is I get to investigate and look for facts and try to find the evidence to help my clients know that I am indeed connecting with their loved one um, because that's what we need. We all need that proof. We all need that evidence. We all need those facts. And, um, you know, it's just part of our process in helping us understand something is to get that factual evidence. So that's what I always strive for. And and I don't – I can't say that it, it comes through with every single message, but there are enough facts and enough evidence that come through. The preponderance of evidence is how we would say in law enforcement – Um, the majority of the evidence will lean in a certain direction. Because there's some messages, Char, that none of us understand. Or, I screw it up, you know, I'm human, I make mistakes. I can get things wrong. And um, there's also, if there's more than one um, energy, person, or animal energy, they talk over each other. They get excited about being there and sharing. You know, just think about... (laughs) They're so excited to deliver a message, they sometimes can't wait to deliver that message. They have to wait for me to get ready to receive the message, and they're like, come on, Karen, Mm -hmm. hurry up, come on, Karen, hurry up. Then when I'm finally ready to receive the message, boom, you know, they start sending me messages, and sometimes they talk over each other, or sometimes something gets lost in the atmosphere, or gets lost in translation, or sometimes they blip in and out. It's like being on a cell phone, if you've ever been on a cell phone and you lose service in a spot, it's like you only hear like e yeah, you only hear little bits and pieces of the conversation mm-hmm. that happens too, and you know it's it's just part of it. We just have to keep going and keep trying to understand what the message is or what they're trying to send. sometimes it's like playing charades when I connect with the human energies they some of them it's so weird, some of them are really good at at sending a a verbal I call it verbal, but it's it's not where you don't hear it with your ears. you hear it with your with your mind um, Some are really good at that, and some are much better at playing like charades like they'll 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 do hand gestures and they'll you know they'll hold up. Um, they'll show me different things with their hands, or they'll tell me that there's two, they'll hold up two fingers, that there's two of them there. And they'll show me a baby, like they'll swaddle a baby and rock a baby in their arms. So I'll get images that way from the humans. The animals don't generally do that. They generally just send me um, messages that I hear in my mind. So, um, But the humans are, sometimes it's like playing charades.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. I think that people also have a lot of stuff to hide, so you have to get through, you know, yeah. get through it. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't want to say it out loud, but something, had, something made me. Anyway, so we do have a couple of callers on the line, so I'm going to take first come for serve. So uh, area code 216, you're going live with the Paranormal and the Sacred, and we have Karen Anderson with us tonight. Do you have a question? Yes, how are you doing this evening? What's your name? Desmond. Hello, Desmond. Hi, Desmond. All right, how's it going? So, good. Do yeah. you have a question for our person tonight? Yes. I want to know, um, now, can an animal create its own karma? So I know we can, but can I, does the animal just have experiences and that's that? Like if they was to... Uh, like if a dog Was to vicious, viciously Maul somebody do, do they have to Do they create that karma Or Does that just Fall on the owner Or how does that work In your opinion That's a good um, question from what, And
2: I That's a great question And thank you For that question And I will say that From my experience I have found that There is In all the universe There is A um, A karmic um, Connection So I don't think it's at the level of that as a human being because um, animals don't have that kind of agenda. Like animals don't set out to hurt other animals. You know, they're they're usually a product of their environment. So a vicious animal is probably vicious because of a human or something that happened because of a human. So I do believe there is karma, but it's not the same as human karma because, you know, humans go around doing horrible things to other humans and other animals and so it's a little bit different but yes i do believe it acts out and it plays out but in a much more subtle manner in a much more toned down manner i don't think that there's a a judgment or anything like that that happens with an animal because from what i've learned animals are as close to god or the source or your the highest power or our creator whatever you want to call them they're as close as you can get. So animals are very sacred on the other side. And so um, they're revered and they're honored and they're loved and they're adored. And so um, I think karmically they do have to play out some kind of um, balance and just don't don't humanize it you know it's real easy to try to humanize an animal that way but it really in my opinion is not the same it's it's at a much more um calmer toned down level does that make sense
1: yeah i got you right that's yeah i don't think an animal has the intention of doing bad it's just correct correct yeah i agree with that
2: you are so right it's
1: Good it's, question, Desmond. Again, it
2: is. It's a great question. Thank you so much. That very thoughtful and question. You,
1: and thank you for calling in, oh. too, okay? okay? Where are you calling from? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, Cleveland. Cool. Wow. Cleveland. Well, glad to hear from yeah. you, and uh, thank you for calling into the show. Take care, Desmond. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Okay, so um, we have another caller. All of a sudden, you know, guess towards the end now the time is catching up. So this is for area code five oh four. You're live with the paranormal sacred. What's your first name, please?
0: Hi, my name is Debbie. Hi Debbie. Hi. Thanks for taking my call.
1: New Orleans. New Orleans, oh yes. (laughs) So what's your question for um, Karen Anderson?
0: I would like to know um I've had some i I do the pet rescues, and I have a quite a few number of animals that I love very much. I have a cat that that um is missing named Baxter since January, and I was wondering if you see that he's in spirit or is he still in the physical
2: oh um, gosh, you know what i'm i am that's something I would have to set up a session for you to okay. do um okay, I don't have my work hat on tonight,
0: okay. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm sorry, I'm just off duty tonight, so um, okay, I would that's fine. I would love to help you, but that would be something I would really want to sit down and and really get some detailed messages for you, and not just willy-nilly it right off the top of my head. I mm-hmm. I take these things very seriously, and
0: yeah, I understand. I I just I had a guy in this neighborhood who's just taking cats off. Uh, I got one back. Yeah, I don't know if I attracted this energy or is there's because I'm not the I'm looking on like Facebook and everything. Apparently, there's this type of personality out there, and I don't get it. You know what I mean? I don't. Oh, no,
2: I know. I don't, I don't get, get it. it either. And I hear this a lot. I've I've had this happen with um, several of my clients where a neighbor is trapping cats.
0: Yes.
2: Taking them and dumping them elsewhere and yeah talk trend. about karma. This is where we want karma to come into play for that human, right right exactly yeah, yeah so definitely, um you know lost animals are one of the hardest things for a pet psychic to do because you're dealing with the trauma of a potentially lost injured animal. you're dealing mm-hmm. with the um the stress and worry of their human. And you're trying to obtain detailed information when an animal might be outside looking at a tree and green grass and a fence. Right. Well, how do you determine, okay, <laughs> there are right. trees and green grass and fences everywhere. So it's really one of the most difficult things that I do and most okay. painstaking things that I do. Um, and like you can imagine, animals don't stay still; they move. Right,
0: absolutely. So
2: you know, I could tell you, oh well, he's here, he's there, and then it turns out he or she is, you know, already moved moved on from there. So you know, it's, right. it's a. Is
0: there anything it, you could tell me as far as keeping those type of predators away from my animals? Is there any tips?
2: Um, you mean the human predator?
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh said, gosh, um, you know, it
2: just—I'm—I'm I'm just at a loss right there. It's—I don't understand okay. it. I really don't.
0: Me I neither. Think that, I get I it. Think,
2: I think maybe just from my cop background, you know, you can't resolve a problem until you talk to somebody about it, and and everything is communication. You have to talk through, work through things. So. You know, if your your cats are bothering your neighbors, you know, maybe get with your neighbors and say, "Hey, if my cat is ever in your yard, you know, call me. Here's my number or this that or whatever it is." You know, okay. we we have to get back to communicating with each other to try to resolve things.
1: Okay. I appreciate uh, Debbie, it. Thank
2: you so much.
0: Debbie, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. She uh
1: she you can go to her website and she if you, do you have a picture of your cat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, good. She's your baby. So um, just contact her And she can work over the phone too So um, Her her website's KarenAnderson.net, right? That's correct Thank you so much
2: You're welcome and thanks for calling And I um, hope your baby comes you, back
1: I, thank you, I started you, saying a prayer I hope, hope, hope it comes back Oh,
0: appreciate that, thank you
1: All right. You're thank welcome you, Deb. Bye-bye Bye. So, um, gosh, we have like 10 minutes to go and, uh, you know, I, I, this has been a fascinating topic and a wonderful night because I feel like we're exploring these territories where a lot of people uh, are ignoring or they have an inkling of something. But I also uh, commend your courage for just telling the truth, you know, uh, that because um, we need we're, we're given all these gifts so that we can use them and you can't use yeah. them while you're hiding them. Like exactly,
2: me. and, and you know, here's the thing. Anybody who has an animal, anyone who's loved an animal, they're already communicating with them. Um, you're already getting messages from your animal. You may think that you're just reading their body language or, you know, the dog wants to go out or the cat needs its treat or whatever it is, but you're already doing what I'm doing. You just don't realize it. And yes. we, we we tend to brush it off as to coincidence or if something pops into your head about your animal, all of a sudden you think, oh, my gosh, you know, why did that just pop into my head? You know, that's how I receive my messages. And animals are sending us messages all the time. We're the ones that are tuning them out because we're too busy doing whatever it is we're doing. So all we have to do is pay attention and uh, it's so easy to learn how to do this. I, I teach classes and I, and I give workshops and lectures on it. And generally, I can teach someone it, within 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I can teach someone how to receive, send and receive messages. It's so easy. There's no magic to it. There's no special skill you have to have. It's just the um, desire to want to. Communicate and understand and know more about your animal, and then being open to the fact that it is possible that's all you need
1: that's, yeah that's the all, that's right it, and...
2: the rest is just practice. you just practice, 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 but I'll give you one tip here, and this is a, a really big um, tip for learning is I always teach my students to practice with animals that they are less familiar with. Because we already think we know everything there is to know about our own animal. So the only way to be um, uh, sure that you're right is to practice with an animal that you don't know. So that when you get a message from that animal that you have no idea about, you go back to that human who belongs to that animal and say, well, this is what I got. And then that that human can validate that information for you. That's how you learn. And then once you build up your skills and build up your confidence, then you can start practicing with your own animals. It's just really hard because we already have all preconceived ideas in our mind about our own animals. We already think we know everything there is to know about them.
1: When they might have a little secret life going on that you don't know nothing about.
2: That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) And I've I've learned over the years that the best way to to teach people is to practice with an animal that you just don't know. And Mm -hmm. um, I was teaching a class up in um, Seaside, Oregon, just this last April. And there were about, I don't know, 35 people in the class. And I was blown away, Char, blown away by what some of the first-time messages people were getting in this class. It was amazing. For for instance, one of them um, got an image of a radio-controlled car, like one of those little dune buggy things, a little radio-controlled car. And so he was telling this story about, I don't know why I'm getting this picture of this radio-controlled car. Sure enough... That's one of the toys or things that the family plays with around that particular... I think it was a dog. That's one of the the things that they play with around the dog, was a radio-controlled car. And all they had was a picture of the dog. They didn't know the dog. They didn't know the people. They just had a picture.
1: Mm -hmm. Very first time
2: they tried. Yeah. It's like I'm sitting there going, holy moly, that's pretty good, you know? It is. So it's really it's kind of mind-boggling to me in a way that it that this is even possible that we can do this and yet at the same time i'm humbled and amazed by what the animals can share with us and all we have to do is just open our hearts and open our minds to the fact that it is possible and and it's it's a skill just like any other skill you just keep practicing and you can learn how to do it too And I do teach classes. I don't have any scheduled right now, but I usually post them on my website or on my blog or on Facebook for any upcoming classes.
1: Okay, so you can get a hold of Karen at www.karenanderson.net. And we have a couple callers, but they're not pissing number one, so I don't know if you want to be on the air. I see two area codes, 216 and another one, 337. So anyway, we're down to the last couple minutes, so uh can you tell us about you have a, another book coming up uh, uh, you just did with uh about um afterlife 2 in the paranormal.
2: Right. Um I'm a contributing author um in this particular, in this book it's called Amazing Paranormal Encounters Volume 2 and it's a compilation of um, different authors ghost stories and personal paranormal experiences. And I submitted a chapter from actual sessions that I have had, and um, some of my most amazing experiences are in there. One of them was um, called Baby Hope, and Baby Hope was a, a cold case about a young child that was murdered in, in New York um, many, many years ago. And I actually did a session with her to get as much information as I could for law enforcement to try to find her murderer. And you'll have to read the book to find out what happened. But just to give a little teaser there, some of the information she told me was absolutely accurate. And you'll have to read the book to find out some more.
1: Um, do you think that you're employing uh, remote viewing with this also?
2: That I'm doing what?
1: Remote viewing?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's all kinds. There's clairaudience, clairvoyance, claircognizance, clair, you know, all the clairs are in there. You're using all of your psychic abilities, remote viewing. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily understand how it all works. I just know that I, um, I'm i able to obtain information that other people validate. I just gather the information. My clients are the ones who validate it.
1: So yes.
2: I'm just the fact finder. I'm just the evidence getter. I'm just the investigator. I'm just the translator. It's my clients that validate the information. Sometimes I don't even have a clue what it all means, but it means something to the client, and that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. that's it. It's been wonderful having you on, and I encourage everybody to go to Karen Anderson's website and also to get her books. I found them on Amazon. And uh, do you have uh, any announcements uh, coming up? Or
2: The next event I'll be at is uh, in October. I'm doing a, the um, Ghost Conference in Port Gamble, Washington. I'll be doing a lecture and teaching a class And it's the weekend of Halloween or whatever the few days before Halloween. So it's a long ways off, but that's the next event I'll be off. And, again, I'll post all that on my website and on my Facebook page. And thanks so much for having me. really, really appreciate it. You've been great, and it's
1: been fun. You're very welcome. It's been fun, and I learned a lot. And uh, God bless, and take care, and keep up the good work, Karen. God bless you, too. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. So so people, uh, the, call, the call last minute, you know, you didn't put your, your, uh, you didn't press one, so I didn't see the question, so I didn't, I didn't pick you up, because people call and listen to the program on their phones, and I don't want to disturb them, because usually they're washing dishes or something, and they hear my voice live, uh, do you want to talk, and that's embarrassing, anyway, so if you want to call in, Please press one, but now we're at the end of the show. And I was really, really, really feel blessed that Karen Anderson has been on here with us. And the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And we discuss every manner of subject. And uh, I just want to say everybody thank you. Thank you, those in chat. Thank you that were on the phone lines and the people that called in with their, their amazing questions. So you guys have a good night, and I wish you all the best. God bless.